hello. Welcome to the edition podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Henry. We've somehow made it over halfway through 2023, which is kind of, you know, at some points when you think about it, kind of amazing. Uh, So we're here. And that means it's always worthwhile taking a look back at, you know, the industries that I cover here in the show as a whole. And who better than to discuss the big picture of the streaming industry with me than my good friend, Tom Merritt of DTNS, Daily Tech News Show and Called Killers. Hello, Tom Merritt. Hello, Charlotte. Thank you again for having me back. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, it's always a pleasure to sort of rope you in. You've you've had a little bit of a break because you haven't written newsletters, which are deliberately provocative that mean I have to reply and say, Tom, you now have to come on the show. <laughs> you've done that before. And like, uh, I think you've I, learned I your feel, lesson. I feel like I've let you down in that respect. That's, that's going to well, inspire me to, to get more controversial. You've, you've clearly learned your lesson. Uh-huh. Also, I have also learned that you can actually never escape. So mm. let, let's crack on with it, because there's been, it's fair to say, rather a lot going on in the subject area that my show and your shows cover. I guess the big thing we have to start with is Netflix, because it's still seen as the biggest streamer, a bit of an industry bellwether. And the big story with them, of course, is cracking down on password sharing, Um they obviously they introduced the ad tier as well, which was a significant moment. But that's all part of the same agenda, isn't it? Of trying to get more people paying for it instead of using your cousin's best friend's aunt's, you know, subscription. Yeah, there, there seems to be a little shareholder pressure on some of these things as as we've slowly watched over the last year or two, Netflix change its mind. Uh, it used to not care about password sharing, sort of implied that password sharing was good for the company. It, it led to further customer acquisition because at some point people got tired of sharing passwords and the inconveniences and would want their own account. Uh, but I think saturation, particularly in the North American market, is what led them to feel a little of the pressure from the shareholders of, well, okay, you need to you need to figure out how to grow uh, in the U.S. and Canada uh, without, you know, with with without having a lot of room to grow, you know, with without having you're so big in the market, what are you going to do? And password crackdowns was a way you could do that. So they started testing it in other parts of the world, but the big aim really did seem to be North America and. Uh, so far, it's been a success for them there. Uh, it mm. looked like from some independent estimates, we'll have to wait to see for Netflix's next uh, quarterly earnings report to see what they say. But uh, it seems like a, a number of accounts have gone up, at least in the US and, and a little bit in Canada. Yeah, I think it's quite noticeable. We never really get numbers of how many people are paying for the ad tier. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think that's always a thing to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't think that's been as successful as they hoped. Uh, so that I may think be why. we 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 may be able to draw such a conclusion because normally if things are a success, companies like to shout about them. Mm-hmm. And I think we could probably put Netflix gaming in the same kind of area. Yeah, although I don't think they expected Netflix gaming to be a success. Their attitude towards that has been, here's a little thing we're incubating, which is how they approach streaming, if you remember, way back in the day in like sure. 2007. Uh, and so I've, I've sort of given them a pass in a way on gaming of like, okay, that's your little experimental thing that you have a long-term plan for. Whereas password crackdowns and, and ad-supported are, were expected to contribute right away. Yes, yeah. I think they're probably... 
disappointed that they're not loads of people who weren't paying for Netflix already are not taking up the ad tier. Of course, mm-hmm. what we don't know, and it's almost impossible to crack the numbers on, is how many people have gone, oh, do you know what? If I'm going to have to pay for Netflix, I'll take the full fat version because there's some content that's not available on the ad tier. People, you know, have I, I come to expect not to have, see adverts on Netflix for better or for worse. That's what sort of the Netflix deal always was. And so I won. We'll, we'll never really be able to work out the numbers on that, will we? Uh, until it starts to get some traction, and they start reporting them, probably not. Uh, if if it ever gets some traction, yeah, yes, uh, yeah, and we'll just never really know if people would have gone. Oh, I would have paid for the ads, but I want to watch X, Y, Z, so I'll pay for the whole thing anyway. It's whatever. It, yeah. It's interesting. Of course, we do keep seeing different bits of data that show particularly young people are happy to bounce around streaming services and, you know, cancel one for a month, maybe two months, wait for stranger things to come back, whatever, whatever, whatever. That is a phenomenon that also bothers streamers. That's not just a Netflix problem, is it? No, it's not. And and, and it is something that should have been totally expected, which is as we get rid of the old model, which is pay one company for everything, and maybe you get a couple of options like a sports tier or a movie tier, you're basically, everybody's paying for the same thing. Uh, We have gone to choice. And I think some of the streamers watched the behavior of the initial adopters of streaming and and saw people wanting to have everything because they're used to having everything and saying, okay, I guess I have to have Netflix and Paramount Plus and Max and Hulu and Sky and you know, whatever it is in your market, you know, Vicky, uh, you're you're buying it. And as people have started to feel the burden of having to pay for all that they're less likely to sign up for the newest services. And like you said, the younger demo is more flexible in their thinking because they haven't been raised in a world where they always had to pay for everything. Uh, so you're, you're seeing the natural outcome of this, in my opinion, which is, yeah, we have a lot of people in the market trying to compete for eyeballs and the consumers have choice now. They have the ability to decide which services they want and they're starting to exercise that choice, which is going to lead to the inevitable shakeout of which services can survive and which services can't. And the consolidation, which I think on this show before I have predicted is probably coming in, the kickoff is gonna be in January of next year when Disney yep. and Comcast get their get their stuff worked out, unless they get it worked out before then. And there, there's been some noises from both sides that maybe they're close to, to signing a deal. So we could see that starting gun go off early yeah and of course as i say sort of the the sharing and the cancelling your subscription whatever doesn't only affect netflix because really byob now doesn't mean bring your own booze it's started to mean build your own bundle hasn't it yeah right uh although you can bring your booze to your bundle now it's it's all it's normally advisable (laughs) so depending on what you're watching it may be recommended yeah 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 absolutely but that that is an interesting aspect of it I mentioned numerous times on numerous platforms that I'm seeing BT Sport, particularly here in the UK, as it becomes TNT, it has, uh, you know, introduced Discovery Plus as part of its plan. I don't mm-hmm. pay for Discovery Plus because I'm a BT customer. I've just got it for free um, because they're having to do this rebundling. On Sky, you see all sorts of things, uh, including Paramount Plus built into your Sky subscriptions. I'm sure you could give me some examples from over in the US. These companies are having to do that now. And I think it's become really noticeable 
over these last few months in this beginning part of 2023. Yeah, I think that is an interesting trend that is finally emerging, which is the fight over being the payment platform or the hosting platform. Right. So Apple wants to be that where you can add on channels to Apple TV. Uh, Amazon wants to be that where you can add on channels to Prime Video. YouTube wants to be that where you can actually add on channels, not just to YouTube TV, but also to YouTube itself now. Uh, And so there is it's also the legacy folks the telcos the cable companies the satellite companies who are saying well we we can give you peacock too we can give you paramount plus too uh so as we see the consolidation of the streaming services we're going to see this fight over being the platform that gets to carry the ones that don't want to try to make it on their own yeah and i always refer to this as a bit of back to the future really and i think it really is in some ways you're suddenly going to find that you're paying someone guess what 50 80, 100 bucks a month to get a whole load of stuff in one go. Sound familiar? Yeah. The, hopefully what we end up with is you've got choices, uh, which under the old model uh, we didn't really have, and you have control. So everybody always wanted a la carte cable, right, where you get to choose your channels. Well, Congratulations. You've got it right now. And the negative to the rebundling would be if you lost that choice, if if it became like, nope, uh, you, if you choose our bundle, you don't get to choose. So far, that has not proved to be something on the horizon. I hope it doesn't come. No, we've seen absolutely no evidence of that in this first six months of 2023, because what we've seen at the moment is these services being basically a free extra not uh do you want to pay for this apple has started well sports is the exception i think we do need to come on to sport in a little bit because shock tom and charlotte are hanging out so they have to talk about sport on tv for a little bit it's like obviously but yeah i do think your point about the play platform is right and i think so far we haven't seen a drop off in that uh freedom and choice but once things start consolidating, you never quite know. Yeah, depends on how far they get consolidated uh, and what the competition models look like. Uh, it it does seem to be shaping up that you'll have platforms like Amazon, YouTube, Apple, and yeah. channel providers uh, like Peacock, uh, uh, Hulu, uh, Max, etc. Which, of course, um, is how Apple TV, YouTube TV have basically always been designed from the outset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you do have to pay for those extra channels. I think the number of those channels, I, what's interesting is you still have a bunch of niche channels. You have acorn out there. Uh, you know, you have BritBox and things like that. I think those are going to stick around uh shutter uh, because they're, they're, they're oriented towards fandoms. And mm-hmm. then you'll have these broad channels that will kind of consolidate uh, where, where you'll like, they've already started to do it internally. Paramount and Showtime are merging up into one. Yes. Uh, so you're going to, you're going to see more of that kind of thing. Yes, and we also will talk in a minute about HBO Max becoming Max, which is not a dissimilar part of what you're describing. Um, Yeah, yeah, good because they're molding Discovery into there. Right, exactly. But what I want to talk about first is a content removal, which is not a thing we ever thought we were going to talk about in streaming, but but has become a very big issue in the past few months. Disney taking stuff off 
uh warner brothers discovery removing content from platforms as a tax write-off i've got that right it was warner brothers discovery wasn't it yeah yeah they're um, both dead for attack for for tax reasons yeah, yeah. Uh, i always panic when you're telling people to talk about people's tax bills but yeah warner brothers discovery under david zasloff who i still think is the new boss but has been there a while now um that whole thing is a really new trend which we just never thought would happen on streaming because we're like oh yeah people just shove everything there why wouldn't they and now yeah, they're going it doesn't cost for the file to be on the server right except it does cost for the file to be on the server because of things like residuals uh and the tax thing is a little wonky but as i understand it uh if you remove it from your service you can then say well the amount of money we spent on it is no longer able to make money so we can write that off as a loss whereas if it's available on the service it could always potentially make you money because it's part of the service, so you can't write it off. Right. So the idea is to remove it from the service, write it off, and then you can redistribute it. You saw that with the stuff the Warner Brothers Discovery removed, where it shows up now on fast services, on the free ad-supported services, yes. because they, you know, that's a different way of monetizing it. And that, again, is another sort of shift that we've seen recently because we kind of got to the point where we assumed oh it's our content we want it on our platform but actually some of these the studios that now over the last few years have decided they have to have their own platform have suddenly gone oh actually we can go back to making money from the content not just on our own platform yeah well because not every platform has all the audience right Right. And, and so we're we're back to a, a world where like oh this show no one who subscribes to to Max watches but somebody on Pluto might so give it to Pluto and they'll they'll stream it for free and put ads against it they'll make money we'll make money more money than we would have if it was sitting there being unwatched yeah. and Pluto can pay us thanks very much yeah exactly but again that to me seems a very big mentality shift that we've seen really at the beginning of this year because. As I say, we got to a point where everyone was like, oh, my God, we've got to have our own platform and have all our own content on our own platform. And yeah. now suddenly they're going, ah. Oh. Learning by doing. <laughs> like, ah, oh, put, just putting it on the platform doesn't mean people watch it. Uh, I, I also think that fast services, those free ad supported services mm -hmm are uh, a wild card in the future of streaming. They are going to play a part. They're already playing a part. And I think that part's going to continue to rise, especially as people are cost conscious and starting mm -hmm. to cut down on what they pay for. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's a role that those will play in this consolidation and, and the platforming that I'm talking about that I, I, I certainly don't know what exact final form it's going to take. Mm. And I don't think anyone else does. No, anyone who in the industry that pretends they do is uh, yeah. not telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, <laughs> I would suggest. But that, I mean, those free servers interesting because, again, a thing we've had to see at the beginning of this year is that personal finance consolidation and that is directly affecting subscriptions we just know it is you can find any day source that people go i can actually live without this or as we mentioned earlier in the show i can certainly live without this for the next three months and then i'll come back to tv plus when ted lasso is back or yeah you know i'll come back to netflix when stranger things or wednesday is back etc 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 and that's all past the and the streamers are having to adapt with people having to go um 
you know, making those decisions. I also think one thing we've really seen the last six months is this is the first proper, please don't let me regret saying this sentence, the first proper post-COVID half slash quarter, you know, half where Mm. people have, because we know podcasting, streaming services, digital subscriptions of all kind really boomed in the pandemic because no one had anything else to do. And now sort of end of 2022, certainly beginning of 2023, people really, it feels to me people have really moved on. If you look at data from movie theatres, if you look at all that stuff. And so the streamers are having, that's the first time they've really had to contend with this, or certainly the first time we're seeing them contend this in their financial results. Yeah, there's there's like three elements hitting streamers right now. Uh, one is just familiarity. You know, it's it's no longer new. And so people start to say, well, you know what? I never watched that thing anymore. Why do I pay for it? That was always going to happen no matter what. Then we have the post-COVID thing that you're talking about where people say, well, I'm not sitting around at home anymore. I don't need to pay for all of these things because I have other stuff I can do now. Uh, and just financial constraints, just the fact that economies are slowing and inflation is rising and, and people are are starting to feel a pinch more and cutting back on things that they don't see as necessary to their everyday lives. Yeah, and entertainment things are always easy to get rid of in the list of things you need to get rid of in your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you you know, uh, you you can entertain yourself <laughs> if you have to. Tom, uh, this is a family show, please. You need to spend money on food. That's, that's, that's not an option. That is not an option, whereas Netflix or really your third streaming service is not an option. Yeah, and I, and I do think that it's not like people are going to ditch streaming entirely. I think a lot more people say they're going to cancel things than cancel things. Uh, but we, we are seeing in the numbers that people are cutting back, uh, that they're realizing sure. that they don't have time to watch all of the things they're subscribing to, so they don't need to subscribe to all of them. Yeah, and I also think that there must be a thing where kind of special offers and free trials mm-hmm. uh, for some of the newer services have wound back over this half and will certainly begin to wind back in the second half of 2023 and people are going do i need to pay the full price for this now i've tried it yeah now that now that the special deal has worn off and these special deals on streaming services have not been as uh as abusive as some of the cable company ones where they you know advertise twenty dollars a month and then without telling you you know six months in your bill goes up to eighty dollars a month Mm. uh which is which has always been frustrating for me because people say, well, if I pay for all these streaming services, I'm paying way more than cable. And the answer is usually not because the average cable bills are $100 plus in the U.S. I don't know what they are in Europe and maybe they're smaller there, but uh, but you would have to spend a lot on streaming services to actually match cable bills. But people think of those advertised prices, which are much short, much smaller. Yeah. Well, that brings us rather nicely onto the sport bit of this because that is the kind of thing we know this for a fact that is the thing that keeps people on linear cable bundles a lot of the time is sport yeah and those cable companies have thus far held on to those sports rights very very determinedly and in the first half of 2023 that hasn't shifted too much but there's certainly there is certainly more live sport on the streaming services we're not, we haven't got it yet, but we're going to see Sunday Ticket on YouTube TV now, aren't we? Yeah. That's coming uh, up. I think what's happening with sport 
is going to be worse for sports fans. Uh, where most things in streaming, I think, have been better, more choice, more ability to control. Uh, the one advantage to the monopoly of a cable system was all your sports ended up there. It wasn't always like that. I'm, I, I remember growing up when when sports were just not available on television. There were things that just weren't broadcast or they were not broadcast in your market, and so you couldn't watch them. Uh over the past 20 years, though, uh, cable and satellite have brought the ability to see almost everything. That's not going away, but it's going to get more expensive to do so. So instead of having one place that you can pay and and you're getting all your sports, it seems to be breaking up. They're, they're moving them into these streaming platform services like Apple, like Amazon, uh, like YouTube, and you are not going to be able to get all the sports in one place, at least not for a while. I think it's it's going to take a few years for for that, that somebody to figure out how to make it affordable to get all the sports, and that's that's going to be unsettling for folks who are used to not having to think about it. Yeah, we've seen stories in these first few months of all the streaming services pricking their ear up at available sports rights. Apple has already uh, done MLB. I think generally pretty well received. I know there was the controversy, wasn't there? The Friday night game where everyone thought Aaron Judge was going to break the record. Um, but everyone was worried that it was going to be called by the Apple TV Plus commentators, not the New York uh, well, yes, the, the, network the, commentators. But like as a general thing, I think they've done all right with yeah. MLB TV. The, ang- the anger with Apple uh, that point was not that Apple had the game. It was that people who didn't know how to subscribe to Apple TV Plus didn't want to have to figure it out to watch the game. Uh, and Apple had the right to show the game. So well, I like- thought there was a, a bit of a harangue over the Yes Network and the Apple commentators as well, because people wanted that moment to be called by the Yes Network commentators. Yeah, so- there was a little bit of that, but I felt like that was that was more a tailing on to uh, the fact that people were frustrated with having to learn a new thing. Because the same thing happened, I think, with Amazon having... No, it wasn't Amazon. Was it YouTube? YouTube had a game where YouTube did the smart thing and said, uh, no, well, uh, yes, simulcast it. It'll be fine. So uh, they, they, they played to the crowd better there. But it wasn't a problem with Apple TV service, I guess is what no. I'm saying. It was, no. it was more of a of a group that was like, yeah, but I, I pay for cable and I get everything. And this is the first skirmish in that, wait, I yeah. have to pay for a second thing? Uh, you don't have to pay extra for yeah. Friday yeah. Night Baseball on t- Apple TV. But yes, I absolutely think... You didn't, no, but they that people complained as if they did, yeah. Correct, absolutely. And I think that's, yeah, we'll, as these things become more fragmented, we're going to just see more and more of that, aren't we? Exactly. Um, of course, the other big thing that's happened these last few months and very recently is Apple getting involved in Major League Soccer. Yeah. Oh, and the, Oh, I'm upset at having to say that word. Oh, that's upsetting. Having to say soccer? Yeah, yeah. apologies. Uh, that's just what it's called, Ooh. though, in this country. Uh, yeah, it, it was a very Apple thing, and it's the reason Apple didn't get NFL Sunday ticket is they get everything. No blackouts. It's 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 wonderful. Uh, I get it free through my phone company, so I have it even though I don't watch a ton of the games, but they're all there every game, all the time. Uh, you do have to pay extra for an MLS season pass. If, if you, yeah. The- if you don't, if you don't have a comped by your phone company, sure, you do have sure, to pay sure. extra on top of it. Yeah, uh, but it but it gives you it gives you all the games. There's there's no local blackouts. There's no hunting around. Uh, it's brilliant. They wanted to do something like that with NFL Sunday Ticket, and the NFL wasn't ready to go that far oh, yeah. to, to drop all that. Well, and of course, the big thing that Apple has got very recently is Lionel Messi. 
Mm, which is yeah. going to be now there's stories i don't think anyone's ever dared confirm it but there's stories from the last few weeks that lionel messi is getting a nice little cut of what apple makes on the season pass because of his signing which is a, a whole intriguing concept in and of itself that this one superstar yeah is, uh, and this relationship with apple but anyway i found that kind of intriguing yeah mls uh, continues its fine tradition of, of getting superstars to end their careers <laughs> so uh and now and now apple's part of it uh as well yes and it's now competing with the sovereign wealth fund of saudi arabia for to do <laughs> just that one thing that hasn't happened this six months but we're starting to see more stories of is whether netflix is finally going to take a leap and do live sport. The story recently was that it would do some kind of pro-am golf tournament because it obviously has Drive to Survive, which is very, very popular. And it has uh, a goal. What's it called? Full Swing. Full Swing, yeah. Which is the golf documentary, which is also very, very popular. And it was going to have some of the players from Full Swing, when they're not arguing with the PGA and live golf, to plus the drivers from Drive to Survive do a live uh a live golf pro-am golf tournament on the chat service. Now, Tom, tell us, how did Netflix's last attempt at live go? Ah, well, their last attempt went horribly, but the one before that went swimmingly. So we're at a tie <laughs> and now we're into extra time for golf. Uh, I, I think it's smart what Netflix is doing with live because they're learning. So they made a big swing with Chris Rock and it went well. Uh, the the streaming, the technological part of it. Uh, they made a small swing with uh, Love is Blind and it went awfully. It didn't happen. But, but also yeah. the fallout from that was all PR. There was the, the, the actual reunion episode that was supposed to stream live was recorded. It was made available. Most fans of the show really didn't care that it wasn't live. So it was a limited risk situation. And I think that's what you're looking at with this. Pro-Am is a great way of, of describing this is if it doesn't end up working live, they'll still make it available on demand. And the, the fans of those two documentary series will still watch it. Uh, so, so it's a low risk way to, to try out live sports and learn. So the next time they do it, uh, they're better at it. And if it does succeed, well, then they can use that to kind of show off their chops to other sports leagues as they negotiate for rights. Yeah, that's, I wrote about this in the newsletter following the wall street journals, original story into this. And uh, I agree with everything you've just said, basically it's a low risk way. It's a further using their IP as well. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be the whole intention behind it, but you don't want to get it wrong again. I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I think it's fine. I, I think, yeah, we everybody like us will, will make a big deal out of it if they get it wrong. Uh, and people will claim that, uh, Netflix's live strategy is dead and none of that will be true. And, uh, they'll, they'll go on and eventually they'll, they'll do it. Well, uh, they might turn it around really fast or they might be more like Apple and cloud services. And it takes a decade before you finally stop complaining about them, but, but they will oh, learn might, and they'll, they'll get it right. Or it might be like Apple and Siri where we never stop complaining. About or it. yeah. Or, or, or it just kind of actually gets a slightly worse over time. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think even if it goes poorly, it, it won't be deadly uh, for Netflix. And it's such a great way to say, like, we we control the sport, which is apparently what they were thinking about doing with the World Surfing League. They were going to just buy yes. the league. Uh, I feel like that's what they want to do is they, they want to control whatever it is they have the rights to. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, that makes the most sense for them to be in the, as much control as possible, as opposed to being a more traditional broadcaster sports league market. Where I do slightly disagree with you, actually, is I think because it is sport, it does matter whether it's live or not. Something like a reunion, you can get away just about with it not being live, even if those fans are annoyed that they didn't see it live. I think with sport, that is slightly different, even if it's something relatively low grade, like this kind of golf tournament that we're explaining. It's not the US Open, like people will cope if it's not perfect. But I think with sport, it does change the dynamic if you get it wrong live. Yeah, it's it's that is definitely true. Uh, of anything higher stakes than what they're doing. You're, you're right that it's kind of true for this even. People would rather watch it live. Uh, but if they do anything that's not a pro-am special of two of their documentaries, yeah, people are people want to watch sports live. So they, they do need to figure out that and, and make sure it works. Yeah, I, I think so. But it will be interesting because until this point, Netflix has always resisted sport. And this story over the last few weeks has been the first more definitive thing. Yes, they had that World Surf League thing that kind of never happened. This seems to be a definitive shift that they've decided, well, it wouldn't have happened just this half of the year. These things take time to go through. But yeah. this the move is being made now and it has been made now over the last six months. Yeah, they they are tr- still trying to figure out what Netflix and sports means, but they want it to mean something. Yes, yeah, so far it's mean a lot of very popular documentaries, yeah. but can it mean something else? Exactly. Um, we do have to talk about one more thing that has transformed over the last few months, which is HBO Max becoming Max. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously here in the UK, it kind of means nothing to me. So, so talk us through it, Tom. Yeah, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery was spun out of uh, AT&T selling off the Warner Brothers side of things to Discovery and merging them. AT&T still holds a stake. That That's kind of a, something that people don't realize. Uh, they still got a, a little foothold in there, but it's an independent company and it makes its own decisions. Uh, and the big question was, how are you going to handle Discovery's content and its streaming strategy, which up until then was Discovery Plus, a $5 a month service, and HBO Max, which was the titanic combination of everything in the Warner Brothers universe, Warner Brothers movies, things on the cable channels, TBS and TNT, uh, sports like the NBA, and of course, HBO. Uh, So the solution has been to take Discovery Plus stuff, put it in HBO Max, Leave Discovery Plus as its own service if people just want that at its $5 a month price. But HBO Max is now more than it was before because it has home and garden, food, DIY, discovery science, all of that in there. And they just dropped HBO from the name and they're calling it Max. Uh, The price did not change. All they did was add a more expensive tier that you can upgrade to get 4K. Uh, If you you don't want to change your price, your price doesn't change. You're just getting more stuff which is probably the only way they could handle it because it was $15 a month. Uh, and it's yeah, people would have been annoyed. Yeah. Uh, so the big controversy was dropping HBO from the name. They have not dropped HBO as a brand. There's still a vertical within Max called HBO. When you watch an HBO show like Succession or should you decide to watch Idol, Idol, uh, you will get the HBO logo at the top. It will not say Max. It will not say HBO Max. It just says HBO. Uh, but it's now a sub brand along with Discovery and the other brands that are in the Warner Brothers Discovery universe. Yeah, kind of how uh, in 
Disney Plus, you have the different brands is how I'm picturing it. Yeah, yeah, very similar to, you know, Discovery Plus is not called the Star Wars app. Uh, it's called Discovery, or Disney I mean, Plus, sorry. Disney Plus is not called the Star Wars app. Well, it kind it's of got is. A Star Let's Wars. be honest, it kind of yeah, is. Yeah, but, and, and that's the, I think that's what Warner Brothers Discovery is hoping, is that you don't criticize Disney Plus for not being called the Star Wars app, but you do think of it that way. Yeah. You think of it as the place to watch Marvel, and they want you to do the same thing. You, they want you to think of Max as the place to watch HBO. Yeah, although I'm kind of intrigued by an app in which you can watch Aussie Gold Hunters and Succession. Yeah. I find there's a... Because the thing about HBO Max and HBO's general is the prestige of the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I when I was writing about the end of Succession, 2.9 million people watched uh, that finale. Oh, my God. Anyway, 2.9 million people watched that finale, which is not, in TV numbers, such a big deal. But the thing about it is prestige. It's, yeah. it's a prestige. A lot of the stuff on Discovery Plus, let's be honest, not that prestigious TV. It's not yeah. Jeremy Strong character acting, is it? No. Uh, and it's similar to, you know, Deadpool sits alongside kitty shows uh, on Disney Plus. These yeah. platforms are trying to be very broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work for them, but it is the thing that makes sense to say, look, we've got all this stuff. Let's market Max, not as HBO, not as prestige market Max as there's something for everyone. Uh, you want to watch House Hunters? You can. You want to watch Succession? You can. You want to watch the NBA? Well, at some point, you you can. Uh, yeah. They the will Tour de bring France? Yeah, exactly. All of that stuff. Um, what's been the reception in the US? Again, it hasn't affected us here in Europe, really. Certainly not here in sure. the UK. Yeah, uh, it it, there was a lot of uh, complaining about the name, uh, a lot of clowning on on the fact that they dropped HBO out of the name. Uh, but frankly, after the first couple of weeks, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, which is good news. Uh, there there were some technological blips the first day because they made everybody get a new app. Yes. Uh, I thought that was going to continue for a long time of people being frustrated, but they worked those out pretty quickly. And I haven't heard any complaints about that transition to the new version of the app. Uh, so I would say in their case, no news is good news. Uh, people were talking about the finale of Succession, not talking about the fact that it was hard to watch Succession because of the Max change. I did find it a bit weird. They made you download a new app. They didn't just do a big upgrade of the app. Was that What was the logic behind that, do you know? The logic behind that was that the tech stack for the HBO Max app was not very good, and right. they, they knew that. Uh, the dis- tech stack for the Discovery Plus app was great, and they knew that. Uh, so they're like, we're building the new app on the good stack, uh, which means we can't upgrade the old one. We've got to well, switch it to the new one. Right. Um, well, yeah, that was all very – it was kind of an interesting thing to watch happen from here as a, a thing where the content I could see was not affected because that's not how I get HBO content. Yeah, right. We get HBO content through um, Sky, basically, or Now TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it was kind of intriguing to watch happen, and they did it just before the end of Succession as well, didn't they? Yeah. Which... yeah the, the last episode of Succession was on Max, where all the rest of them had been on HBO Max. High-risk strategy. High-risk Yeah. Strategy. <laughs> well, it's always great catching up. I think I'll, I'll spare you my normal make a prediction for the next six months because you know I'm just going to have you on around Christmas time to be like, what happened? Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's been a very interesting six months in streaming. It feels to me, and the reason why I wanted to have this conversation, that it's been one of the most significant shifts 
for quite a while because stuff had been pootling on. We had that period kind of during the pandemic where loads of new services sprung up. We had that and we had the end of 2019 Apple TV plus Disney plus battle and all that stuff. And then this last six months has felt quite significant to me anyway. So I'm really pleased that we could have this conversation, Tom. Remind people where they can hear you having more conversations that they'll want to listen to. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, Cordkillers.com if you want more talk about TV shows and movies. Brian Brushwood and I do it uh, every week. Uh, and for the broader tech world, which covers this stuff and more, dailytechnewsshow.com. Always good. Yeah, DTNS. And you've got a newsletter as well, haven't you, that I always enjoy reading, which I will link to as well in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, tech. Tech Tom, Tom, Tech Tom, like Tech Time, but with Tom. That one. Yes, I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter and, of course, at theedition.net where you can read the blog and all that stuff. And you can head over to newsletter.theedition.net to make sure you're getting everything from the edition straight to your inbox. Tom, thank you once again for joining me and I'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm. 